You are listening to Muslim in Moderation, discussions on minority culture, identity and politics with Ali Ahmed. Little Mosque on the Prairie is a Canadian sitcom that debuted in 2007 and became an international hit. Broadcast in over 80 countries, filming 90 episodes over six seasons, the show had a deep cultural importance. It was the first time Muslims were featured on North American television as ordinary, three-dimensional, and diverse characters. Episode 5 of the podcast features Zarka Nawaz, creator of Little Mosque on the Prairie. Zarka was raised in what might be considered a traditional Pakistani immigrant family in the greater Toronto area, with a father obsessed with education and a mother keen for her to get married. Not being able to get into medical school, Zarka enrolled in the journalism program at Ryerson University and after graduating, began a promising career with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. But her family wouldn't let her take any postings away from home while she was still single. After finding her man, a doctor naturally, Zarka was ready to take her career to the next level until an odd regulation forced her to make her own move to the prairies. Well, we moved to Saskatchewan partly because at that time, the Ontario government passed a law which did not allow doctors who had degrees from outside of Ontario to get billing numbers. Because when I married my husband, I said, you know, before I married him, I said, here's my conditions of marriage. I want a career. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to be, you know, an international journalist. Because I did a journalism degree. And he was good with all of that. But that meant living in Toronto because that's where CBC was. That's where the hub of journalism was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he couldn't work because Ontario passed this law and his degree was from Saskatchewan. And he had just arrived. By the time we found out this was this had passed, it was too late. There was nothing we could do. And I got an internship with CBC with Peter Zosky on Morningside. And my career was starting to thrive. And all of a sudden, I couldn't stay in this province. I should mention, I was pregnant and had my first child. No. And he couldn't work. And so we were on unemployment. And my, <laughs> and my parents were like, no, this is crazy. My mom was like, I finally got you married. And now he's unemployed. And you have a baby. And you're living on unemployment insurance. <laughs> so, And we were living with them because we couldn't even afford rent. And so my mother said, you can't live with us anymore. So it forced us to go back to Saskatchewan. And I was really, really upset. And as a person of faith, I was having these kind of really long philosophical discussions with God. Well, not really philosophical, more like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> this is not fair. I finally got married and got, had my freedom and got out of the house. And now I can't even live in the one province I need to live in to have the career I wanted. So we moved to Saskatchewan, which is a fantastic province. But if you want to be an international roaming journalist, you really can't live here. And so I thought it was over again. I thought, oh, my God, I'm starting again from scratch. And everything I hope for is dead and my career is over. What will happen? I'll become exactly what my father feared in life. A housewife padding the house with these babies. (laughs) Exactly the world he didn't want for me is going to happen. And it's so interesting. It's the thing that you believe will destroy you is the thing that saves you. Because living in Saskatchewan, I had to switch careers and I switched from journalism to filmmaking and started taking filmmaking courses and made a documentary about the mosque community and how much going to the mosque, how much I loved going to the mosque, except it was becoming more conservative. And you know these barriers started coming up in the women's section you know, just from the whole influence of Wahhabism. Mm -hmm. And I made a documentary for the National Film Board 
and they sent me to Banff Television, you know, the Banff Television Festival. And I had this idea that sparked in my head because a friend of mine said, you know, really people go there to make television shows or to pitch television shows. You should try to pitch something. And it really wasn't taking the idea seriously. I just thought, okay, well, I'm going, I should just practice pitching television because what's the point of going on this all expense paid trip? And the idea was still circulating in my mind. You know, somebody who had made a migration from Ontario to Saskatchewan, who belonged in the mosque community, who was struggling with the whole issue of, you know, where a women's place was. And so I came up with the idea of this imam who sort of followed the same journey I did. But because he was a man, he could change things in the mosque. And I pitched that idea. And suddenly all these producers started paying attention to me. And someone said to me, Bam, you realize that of all the people here, you've got the one idea that everyone wants to make. And it didn't really occur to me like that was true because the whole idea had been a sort of a lark. So I wouldn't waste time. But suddenly it opened up this whole world of sitcom to me that I had never considered as a career path. So let's talk about Little Moss because it really was a groundbreaking achievement. One of the things it did in the post 9-11 era was that it humanized Muslims in North America, showed them as normal with, you know, relatable goals, ideas and motivations. When you got the project greenlighted, what were you setting out to do with the show? At first, I was setting out to talk about men in the mosque and how much these barriers bothered me. It was about gender equality in the community, but it became bigger than that. It became obvious that it was representing a community that had never been represented on television in a sitcom before. And you have to remember, this was 2007, before we had all the buzzwords of diversity in television, before Oscar So White and all these movements. And it was the first time Hollywood started paying attention because it became such a huge hit that up to that point, the wisdom had been that white people wouldn't watch shows with brown leads. Yeah. And so Hollywood you know, started calling me and started saying, wow, this is incredible. There's a whole appetite for this world and that this would open up these doors for other people in Hollywood that they needed that nudge because soon after that shows like Modern Family and Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat and Superstore started appearing. So in many ways, Little Mosque on the Prairie was the show that proved to white male executives that there was viability to making shows with a diverse cast. Mm -hmm. So that happened without me realizing what an impact it was having on popular culture overall. And in the Muslim community itself, I was surprised by their reaction because I thought that they would be so happy that finally there was a television show that portrayed them as ordinary people. But what I hadn't counted on was the fact that it was the first show and that for a lot of immigrant parents, that wasn't the show that they wanted to see. What they had thought in their minds was, you know, we needed a show with perfect Muslims not making mistakes, showing the perfect version of Islam, showing neighbors that were so good to each other, mowing each other's lawns, giving cookies to each other. And what they didn't realize was that was propaganda and it wasn't true. And people wouldn't have watched a show like that. What they wanted was a show that showed Muslims as they truly were, warts and all. And that, in fact, reflecting our true humanity was the thing that would connect non-Muslims to Muslims because then they can truly relate to each other. Mm. What I didn't realize was that growing up in North America, you also have a very different attitude towards sex and relationships and just things like holding hands with your husband in public, which in other cultures was considered too forward. But here it wasn't. So when I had discussions of periods or a wife pinching her husband's butt, like 
people went apoplectic and they went crazy. They were like, no, this is wrong. And there's too much, there's too much sexual content. And, and this, she's making jokes about Islam and all those things put together really upset the Muslim community. And we're upset a certain segment of the Muslim community that, you know, the first generation and they couldn't handle it. And they were trying to get me to stop. Yeah, there's a heartbreaking scene in your memoir, Laughing All the Way to the Mosque, where you describe being trapped in your local mosque, waiting for a crowd of angry people to dissipate that had surrounded your husband. And all of these people were really upset about Little Mosque. But that was really shocking for me to read because, at least for me and my generation, we were really excited that this show existed. And... I don't think it's an overstatement to say that you were something of a hero to us for breaking through and getting a show about Muslims made. Oh, thank you. I didn't talk about it at the time because I didn't want non-Muslims to say, oh, Muslims don't have a sense of humor. Yeah. Because I didn't understand what was happening. But what was happening was that it was the first time Muslims were seeing themselves on television. And it was hard for them. And I always tell non-Muslims, you know, the same things happened in your community when things where people were criticizing certain things for the first time. You know, when The Last Temptation of Christ first aired yeah. in France, people threw Molotov cocktails into windows because they were so appalled, you know, by seeing their religion portrayed in that manner. When Sinead O'Connor put the picture of the Pope on SNL, SNL didn't, you know, champion her right to free, you know, free speech. They were very angry with her. And so a lot of communities, if you're going to be the first person to do something completely different, then there's sort of a reaction to this. Mm-hmm. And comedy isn't universal. It appealed, like you said, to people of our generation who grew up here, but people from our parents' generation had a hard time with it. And so it took a few years before people realized that, in fact, the show was helping non-Muslims bond with our community and that nothing catastrophic had happened. And then slowly over the years, I noticed that other television shows started popping up. In England, there was a show called Citizen Khan. And it was also about a Pakistani man who was trying to, you know, he was the president of the Pakistani Association and he went to the mosque. And I remember talking to the creator of that show and he said, you know, we did watch episodes of Little Mosque on the Prairie. And his show was much more edgy and what some first generation Muslims would say, you know, a little disrespectful to the Muslim community. And he went further than I could at the time because the community had become desensitized. And I was watching, you know, reading the comments in the comment section. And the one that struck me was, oh, this show isn't as respectful to Muslims as Little Mosque on the Prairie was, which I found so ironic because at the time, that was the one criticism I was getting. And now we have, you know, Rami Youssef's show on Hulu about him and his experiences as a Muslim man, you know, who's having sex before marriage. And so we keep going forward in terms of being able to explore issues in our community in a more mature and nuanced manner. But if you're gonna be the first one to do it, then you're going to get a lot of backlash from people because it's just too new and too raw and there haven't been anyone before to prepare them for it. Yeah, so being the first one and being a part of a community, I wonder if you ever felt constrained by that because you know there's some critics that call Little Mosque charming and a welcome addition, but not necessarily really funny and that critique seemed to be driven by the show's respectfulness, that it was too respectful to really push the envelope into that type of humor. So, you know, in retrospect, would you do anything differently? I think at that time period when I was making the show, it had the right tone that was necessary for the type of show we were making. Because it was like on the prairies. It was about an imam who came into a community and was trying to become accepted. And 
just his existence that he didn't have a beard and that he was pro woman was edgy. Like what non-Muslim didn't realize was that itself was very edgy for the community and they could barely survive that. And so they were looking at it from their perspective because they're like a generation ahead of us in terms of doing comedies about their community. But for my community, that was all they could handle. They could barely handle that. And I knew that. So I was working within that framework of the type of show and the world that we were in and the world that we had created. And for that world, we were already on the edge. (laughs) The Muslim community couldn't have handled much more. And they were so much to explore within that universe of comedy about, you know, a single dad, a religious dad dealing with a rebellious teenager, the convert and Fatima, who is a matriarch running her own cafe. I mean, those were pretty big concepts for that show. And we were dealing with those concepts within the universe we had created. For non-Muslims looking in, it would have been, yeah, this is like too much like Andy Berry, but that world had never been explored on television before. And I felt we had to be fair and just and honest to that world, not suddenly veer off into some dark area, because that would have been a different show. And we started getting a little bit darker when we had Reverend Thorne come in, who wanted to get rid of the Muslims. And we started exploring a darker Islamophobia part of his character. And so we went there. But what we noticed was that the audience really hated that character so much. The the reaction we got was, don't do that. Go back to what the show was before, because that's what we loved about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Little Mosque is in syndication now, and we're seeing all of these new actors and comedians of color breaking through since then. And I also think there's been this generational shift where parents from the Muslim community are happy for their children to pursue careers in the creative arts. And I think a big reason for that is that they saw Little Mosque and saw all the success it had. And I think that's a big part of the shows and your legacy. Thank you, but you didn't know at the time it was going to do the things that it did. And even now I meet parents sometimes who get disappointed that their child was such a promising writer and then went into medical school (laughs) because... (laughs) They themselves know the danger of having people who don't represent your own community in their own voice, because then you allow other people to represent your community. And we've seen what happens when when you give other people the authority to take that mantle, because nothing good ever comes of it. If you want to represent your community, then you have to do it. And I see that happening more and more. I see, you know, young stand-up comedians, especially female young stand-up comedians, you know, taking the mic and taking the discourse back from the white men. And it's incredible. And I think audiences, you know, when I do stand up now, I hear people saying, we only hear the same thing from white men over and over again. You know, it's the holy trinity of like dick jokes and masturbation and sex. It's, that's all you ever hear about. But to hear a woman of color speak, it's different. And we want to hear that because we're tired of hearing the other stuff. And I feel like audiences are yearning for those diverse voices because they have something to say and the perspective is so different and it's so welcome now. So I feel like this is the time to strike and people should, if you're an artist and you're funny and you want to do stand-up comedy or you want to pitch sitcoms or you want to write or do a one-woman show or write novels or books, this is the time to do it because the gatekeepers are opening up those gates and those gates have been heavy and, and iron and closed <laughs> for a very long time. And I'm so glad that that's happening, that that, that's changing and giving people an opportunity to 
have their voices and their work heard and expressed. Zarka Nawaz, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to Muslim in Moderation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give it a rating. A new episode will be out monthly. For guest profiles, episodes and show notes, visit www.musliminmoderation.com.